With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hello and welcome to the festive episode. We're recording on Boxing Day, episode 93. We're really racking these ones up. It's getting quite terrifying. Um, and it's a very Merry Christmas to the three guests I have with me. Well, I said guests. One is my co-host, Peter. Hello, Peter. How are you doing? Hi, Russ. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas to you too, and happy Christmas to our other guests who have joined. Richard Holberton's back with us after a few weeks away. How are you doing, Richard? How's your Christmas been? It's been very nice so far. It's been three days of uh, relaxation, the odd country walk, um, too much food, bit of home baking. Yeah, it's been nice, actually. Brilliant. Been Led nice. Zeppelin, you were telling me as well. Yeah. I was uh, listening to Led Zeppelin while making uh, artichoke soup on, on the day before Christmas Eve. <laughs> you know Pro- how to pro- live. Proving that men can multitask, albeit in a limited way. <laughs> and Andy B, welcome to you too. Have you been multitasking over Christmas as well? Well, it's down the, uh, the cooking thing. The, cooking, uh, got, the Christmas dinner got nine and a half out of ten. So I was well happy with those results. Tried some new side dishes. So, um, yeah, it's all been good in the bravery household. Nice, I'm very impressed, yeah, superb work, great, well, well, Merry Christmas to everybody, I'm, I'm on the red wines, you know, Christmas festive time of year, it's got to be the reds, um, I've taken a break from the beers for now, are you guys on anything in particular there? I had a bit too much of the red yesterday, so I'm on apple juice. <laughs> <laughs> this is, um, I don't know what this is, Spitfire, I think it is. Oh, nice, yeah, Good old, just, old school ale, yeah. Just to be, just to be different, I'm, I'm hoping I'm going to get a cup of tea in a minute, so that's it. <laughs> Pipe and slippers, Andy. Pipe and slippers. No, just, just a cup of tea. That'd be fine. <laughs> that is much more acceptable. It is only 5.30 in the evening after all. <laughs> only? It's already too late in the day. Come on, cheers, everyone. <laughs> Excellent. Well, um, on this special one, really, it's just to get together and um, just get a bit of festive fun going and to just talk about, about a few general points in the football world. Um, kind of a review of the season so far of sorts, um, have reflections really on what's gone and what we think might be going, and hopefully not um, Mr Potter, but we'll have to see, um, and uh, what we think is going to happen in these upcoming games, and anything else we want to chat about really. I might throw in a couple of quiz questions later on as well for fun. 
Um, but starting Who, off... Who's fun exactly is that for? <laughs> <laughs> well, someone's going to have fun with it, probably just me, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just, just in the main football news, obviously we've, we've, we've got to uh, the Christmas period. We've stayed out of the relegation zone, which is good to see. Um, we're speaking on Boxing Day evening, and Fulham have just drawn 0-0 with... Uh, Saints haven't made nil nil, so um, they are still below us going into our fixture tomorrow. So the first bit of good news is that we are still outside the bottom three, um, which is great. I had the feeling if we were going to play first that we would, whatever our result, Fulham would win. Um, but having had them play first, I don't know. It just feels right that if they played first and dropped points, we were going to capitalise. We'll I think find that's what out. They call clutching at straws. To be <laughs> I'm just working any narratives in I can, really. Just, yeah. But um, who knows? The good, good thing is we can relax at least for now going into our game um, at the, uh, the stadium in, in London, London Stadium, as they eloquently call it. And, and he's got his cup of tea now, so he's, he's happy in the background, I see. Excellent. Um, so reflections on the season so far. Um, let's go with you first, Richard, because we haven't had you on for a while. Let's Let's get your views on where you're at with the Albion. How do you think we've done? Um, how do you think we should be doing? And what do you think we need to do going forward? Well, I, I, would, I, would, I would start, oddly, by going back to Project Restart. You know, the, the, the games, the nine games at the end of last season behind closed doors. And going into that, I think I'm right in saying we were two points above the relegation places. And we ended the season reasonably comfortably seven points above the relegation places so taking that group of games as a whole um we did all right i think and we got points out of pretty well every game that looked like we could potentially get points from um you know starting with starting with that win against arsenal um which i think was a in retrospect was a really important game uh, not just because of the points but also you know, if you win, if you score a winner in the 95th minute, you also you always get a bit of a shot in the arm and a bit of a confidence boost from that. But also, it just kind of coming back from such a long break, it seemed to give us a good platform to to you know have a good a goodish period of games and you know other wins, Norwich and Burnley and that. And I, you know, so at that point, <clears throat> I was obviously relieved to avoid relegation. But you know, I was more optimistic even than that at that point. With, you know, which is to say, I thought, you know, that was a decent sequence of results. Generally, you know, we took a couple of pastings against a couple of the big teams, but, you know, that's going to happen now and again. But on the whole, I thought we were in a good position to uh, to kick on. Um, you know, the squad looked to be in pretty good shape. And I think, you know, in some of the... So starting with this season, I think some of that spilled over into the some of the early games, um, you know, beat Newcastle very comfortably, um, dominated Man U for large parts of that game and should have won or at least drawn. Um, but I have to say, and I know, you know, others have raised the same points on, on previous editions of this. I'm a bit less optimistic. I know this is, you know, this episode is designed to spread festive cheer, right? But um, <laughs> I'm going to have to put a bit of a spanner in the works and say I'm a bit more concerned than I was um six weeks ago yeah and i think you know they've been i i don't i don't actually buy the narrative that you know the relegation places are going to be filled by teams who are currently in the bottom five and those are the only teams that can fill them um you know there's a lot of games still to play and there are teams 
you know, and I'd mentioned Palace, Newcastle and Leeds among them, possibly even Arsenal, who knows, that could get dragged into that. Um, but, you know, that's kind of scant comfort. I mean, you know, we played West Brom, we played Burnley, we played Fulham, we played Sheffield United, we haven't beaten any of them. Um, you know, it, odd. it's going to sound odd to say it, but we probably could have and maybe should have won all three points against Liverpool. We Normally, you'd be happy with a point against them, but... You know, you look at the the chances in that game. Missed penalty, played well. They were very depleted. Um, could have won that game. So, uh, what would be my summary? We should have we should have more points than we do. Um, we've had enough possession and enough chances to have won several of those games that we've drawn. Um, and yeah, you know, I think the next the next half dozen games are pretty important, really, because I think. We need to get. We need to convert one point into three. We need to start converting more of those chances, and you know, pull away from those other teams that I've mentioned. Otherwise, it's a you know season-long dogfight against relegation, unfortunately. So, but and you know, the, the the issues I think have been mentioned abundantly by other people. It's converting chances, and I also think creativity. Um, you know, the Sheffield United game was an absolute object lesson in it. Um, you know, against 10 men, we couldn't really break him down. You know, a couple of the news reports I read used words like un unconvincing and insubstantial. You know, plenty of the ball, 25, 30 yards from goal, but didn't really. And I know it's difficult, you know, even, even big teams find it difficult to break down teams that have uh, a mass defence. And by the time they went down to 10 men, Sheffield United didn't really have any choice but to play that way. But we didn't really look as if we knew how to unlock them or, um, you know, create as much as we should have done in those circumstances. So I think, you know, creativity in the final third and converting chances are issues. Absolutely. And Andy, um, what's your view on it? I mean, obviously we've spoken to you more readily in recent weeks, but um, I mean, the, the points that Richard's ironed out, which others have done before as well, obviously abundantly clear. Um, are we going to turn this around? I mean, we've got... We've got the possibility of various options striker-wise, and three or four of them are registered with us who might be coming into the equation. Obviously, Murray's coming back from a loan. Um, Sakiri's a guy who's on the periphery who might get used to some degree. And Doni's supposedly coming back from an injury and supposedly back in, you know, well, not in good books, but back in, in at least consideration uh, with the manager. And um, there's also Percy Tao potentially coming in uh, via the work permit route, um, a play, another player we've had for a while. We could even bring Kilkeras back, although I think his loan might be for the season, I'm not sure. Um, but what's your, what's your hopes going forward? Do you reckon we're going to be OK? And it, would it require a new signing rather than a re-signing, so to speak, of one of our existing players? So this morning, um, I went out for quite a long walk and I was... Um, so I listened to... Um, Albion Unlimited, and I listened to um, Albion Raw, their most recent ones. And so these were some of the yeah. things I took from it. Henry Winters, Winter, Andrew Winter, the uh, journalist, was on there. He talked about how we might pass our way into the relegation zone. So that's a possibility. <laughs> um, Warren Aspinall talked about the fact that up till now, he, he feels that, um, that five, five Albion players have, have been consistently good, and they were all defenders. Um, including um, March and Lamptey and that, along with um, Dunk and um, yeah, Lamptey, March, Dunk, Basuma, 
white. Um, and white, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I thought Webster was a little bit unlucky not to get in there, but nonetheless, all defenders and, and a midfield player. I think probably with Webster, it's about the fact he, he has these lapses of concentration. So that's not enough players, I think, to get us out of the bottom six. Who are So other players have got to step up. I feel that um, kind of our season has kind of reflects a lot of our games. We started really well. There was lots of optimism. We were unlucky. We had lots of opportunities to win or draw games. We didn't, we didn't quite take them. Um, and that really sums up a lot of our, our games as well. And as the season has gone on, the chances have, have become less to win. But we're still good on the eye. I'm still, I'm still backing Potter. I think we'll stay up. Um, I don't think we're going to bring anybody in for a lot of money. I think it's almost as important that nobody leaves. Yeah. Um, I think that the Percy Tower that, you know, it's hard to, I'd like to think he's going to give us something different. Um, but at the same time, you know, he's played in Belgium. and We've seen players come to us that have played in Holland and Belgium and they, they've not exactly set the, set the world alight um, while they've been playing for us. Um, I want to see a lot more out of Trossard on a weekly basis than we're getting at the moment from him. Um, and the other bit of, but the bit of optimism was um, listening to the guy on ESPN talking about Moda, you know, the, um, is it Moda? The, yeah, Polish guy. I mean, he, he's only 21, but they were really, really talking positively about him. Can use both feet, can run into space, can go past players as a good shot, great vision, passing, you know. Um, and then Warren Aspinall said, well, uh, uh, that's all really good. But what I want him to do is tell me what his best position is. And that's the one I want him to play in a Potters team. And that might be a bit more of a challenge. So I think that um, I, I think we probably will be in around a bottom six. Maybe it'll turn into a bottom eight. I think we're good enough to stay up. But it's one of those things that if the confidence starts to tip the other way, and if the fans aren't, I mean, we're not in the ground at the moment, but if we're back in the ground, if the fans aren't back in it, all those sorts of things can go against you. But um, at the moment, I, I still think there are three teams down there that we can, we, we will end up above. Um, but as everyone knows, we've got to score more goals. Mm -hmm. win yeah, um, yeah, I agree with all of that. I heard those podcasts as well. They're very good. And um, yeah, changing the point of attack was, I think, the other words that we use to describe um, Moda as well, I think, in that. Um, but yeah, it all sounds pretty good if you can integrate. I agree with you. I think we've got to get more from, certainly from the strikers, but also from the likes of Trossard and where he's used, if he's used again, Jahanbach, players like that, who are not out-and-out -out strikers or we're not using them as such, but who are very much part of that attack and very important to do so. Um, teams that could get dragged in, I, I think, yeah, I, of those sides, I think probably, if we're honest, I think Palace somehow would just have a little bit too much about them to to get sucked in but who knows Leeds depends depends um I mean they, they both could do but the team I think might struggle is Newcastle I yeah. think um I think they aren't a good team I don't think there's too many star players in there um they're not far away from danger um I mean who knows what will happen but they've got City next away um if they were for example to take a beating there which is always possible and the other results go against them suddenly they're involved aren't they um with, with us not even in the new year yet. Uh, but yeah, back to you, Andy, yeah. I, I just wanted to, to say, I mean, all, the, the thing is with most of those teams you mentioned, apart from Newcastle, is they still seem to be able to secure the odd win, don't they? And that's what's keeping them above and beyond us at the moment. Whereas we're getting a draw, they're getting a win. Whereas the teams with us and below are, you know, they're not winning many, the odd, you know, yeah, draws yeah. and the odd win. So I think that's the, that's the difference at the moment. 
Yeah. The Newcastle are nicking games 1 0, to be fair. I mean, they are seven points above us. Yeah. Um, six points above us. And they've said, to be fair, they're nicking the, the wind when they need to as well. Mm. So, I mean, I, I know people keep writing off Newcastle and Palace and that sort of thing, but I, th- I think they'll both be fine because they do have a habit. And Newcastle are reasonably solid at the back when they've got everyone fit and they've got Wilson up front who will get goals at this level, which we don't have. Yeah. So, Pete, do you but think it's going to be a. I agree with Andy. I think if we don't sign a striker in January, we're going down personally. So, Pete, do you think it will be a bottom five? Team than last time. Pete, do you think it will be a bottom five? Uh, yeah, I think. Well, no, I, th- I think Burnley will pull away actually at the moment. Burnley are so solid at the back when they've got everyone fit. Um, I actually think Leeds are the most dodgy because a because Bielsa could actually have a tantrum and walk out, and b because they leave themselves so open yeah. that they actually after a promising start. They don't actually. They can't nick games one nil. Basically, they're very. They find it very difficult to do that because they can't defend. So they they're basically aiming to win games four three, and that's a really dangerous game when you're down the bottom. Yeah, and pe- people will tend to find you out pretty quickly in the Premier League, and I think they're doing it almost at a more rapid speed than ever um, with this side at the moment. So yeah, they they could get tracked in. But Richard, back to you. Yeah, you know, I was just going to pick up on a point Andy made about um, you know co- confidence levels in in the team or it was certain 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 players perhaps and and you know it's always a bit dangerous to read too much into body language and what you see on the pitch but there do look to be a few players and you Andy you mentioned Trossard I'd certainly say he was one but particularly Mope looks pretty low on confidence at the moment um you know I know he was he was rested for for a game a while back who knows what's 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 gone on there but and you know he's a striker, right? So that that he bangs a couple in, and that kind of thing can turn around very quickly. But it feels like a point where, you know, you've got a relatively young team. You've got some people who are, who at least look low on confidence. Where, you know, the role of veterans or more experienced people in the squad becomes really important. So people like Lalana, Welbeck, and I'm not sure whether Welbeck or, or Proper I was going to mention. Who I think is still injured, right? Um, but, you know, people who are experienced need to kind of step up and put, put, put their arms around people and sort of see them through a, a, a poorer patch, I think, in order, in order to come out of this. Um, you know, becomes very important. And I think they need to do it fairly quickly as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, agreed. And look at the teams around us. I mean, Sheffield United, we've, we've already said... a. Uh, unfortunately for them, looking pretty doomed. I mean, they could catch us. They're 10 points behind. That's not an unassailable advantage. But if they do catch us, that doesn't necessarily mean good news for them. It probably just means they've um, they just caught up another team getting relegated. Hopefully they won't catch us. Um, West Brom, um, by contrast, are five points behind us and things aren't looking good for them. They have appointed a manager with a so far impeccable record of avoiding relegation with several teams in the Prem. Um in Sam Allardyce, Hippo, his latest job, coming back from another retirement, no doubt. Um, whether or not he's supping pints of wine or not at this stage, I don't know. But uh, he's, I, I'm not sure, I, I said before in a pod, I think it may be a bridge too far for him. I can't see them surviving. I do think those two are in trouble. But beyond that, who knows? But we're going to see what Peter's got to say on that one. Yeah, I was going to say about Allardyce, I mean, it could well come back to bite me in the ass when they come and stay up over us in the last game of the season. But... I think he's normally gone to teams who are underachieving, but I don't think West Brom were underachieving. I don't think they no. were that they were doing as well as they could do with the resources they have. They didn't spend in the summer really, only on the players they've brought back on loan. And I don't see them. I, I don't think he's good enough to, you know, because he might get him a bit more organised at the back, but they're not going to get the goals they need. I don't think they've only got really got Carly and Grant up front, 
Um, and Diagana and Pereira both look decent to start the season, but don't they seem to have drifted away a bit. So, yeah, I think, um, I think both of those will go down. Where I'm, I'm worried is I think Fulham is actually looking quite organised now. And yeah, I think and Burnley, Burnley was in some serious trouble. They got themselves into a real rut, which I thought had potential to be worse than any previous time. The, the, the matter with that was always going to be about whether or not they could grind their way out of it um, before Christmas, really, uh, to show some sign of hope. If the conviction that they have in the way they play um, was able to, to remain or to come back, should we say, um, by, by the turn of the year, then there's always a chance they were going to go back into doing the Burnley thing and grinding the way to safety. And it looks like that's now happening, unfortunately. I think if it had gone in, into the new year, I, I think that, that conviction could have waned and they, it, it's got the potential to turn into a very negative vibe then, hasn't it? I think given their, their chairman's ambitions, I think they will spend in January. And where yeah, I want to pick up on, on the things Andy said earlier, I think if we don't spend in January, we are in real, real danger of going down. Potter has shown he's been here almost 18 months now and he's not found a way of getting our strikers consistently scoring. We're also now looking more dodgy at the back generally as well. We've conceded more goals than we have in the Premier League and that's not a good combination generally, to be fair. It's like we don't, we don't keep many clean sheets. You know, For a couple of years, we, we stayed up because Murray won it 1-0 for us and we, you know, Ryan and, the, and Duffy and Dunk were brilliant. Um, we can't do that now. We don't seem to get to keep many clean sheets. And, and we're not yes. scoring the more goals at the other end as well. After the first four games where we got, I think, eight goals, we've not really scored that many. Um, I haven't said that. Um, I think defence-wise, one thing, I don't know if this is direct, just the only reason, but uh, directly connected, but um, Sanchez coming in, he's uh, under him. If, if I'm right in remembering, the first game of this recent thing was, was Villa, wasn't it? I think the game you played beforehand um where he made that really good reaction save for a potential own goal which would have been a disaster he's also yeah yeah possibly and he he got down very very well for that Sheffield United free kick a big guy having to get down that quickly that low unsighted shows good signs we've only conceded two goals in the three games he's played um the others Mm -hmm. being three against Tottenham and one against Sheffield United oh it's Spurs as well wasn't it yeah Yeah. sorry I was thinking it was Fulham sorry yeah Yeah. so three and three which is bad it was um, Spurs, Fulham, and Sheffield United. He played. He didn't play. Oh at right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm mixing up the the Villa game. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so not too bad. All things considered, considering the Spurs goals included a complete gift of a, a penalty, and penalties are not easy to save anyway. Um, so you know that's that's not too bad. On the on the matter of um, Hippo, just going back to him briefly, I'm going to throw in the first of a couple of questions, quiz questions for you guys. Um, West Brom, the job he's just taken, is his eighth Premier League role. Without Googling it, can you name the other seven? Um, these are all Premier League era, obviously. Um, you just shout them out? or Yeah, yeah, go for it. Bolton, yeah. Blackburn, Palace, Palace, Palace Utah, Everton. Um, uh, well, with West Brom, that's five, isn't it, now? Oh, you said... I think I said six, including West. said six, including West Brom, haven't we? Blackburn, Bolton, Everton, Newcastle, Palace, West um, Brom. Is there how many yeah. more is it? Uh, two more. Was he at Sunderland? Yeah. 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 One of those managers that's managed both Sunderland and Newcastle. Yeah. And... Any ideas on the other one? We can come back to it later if you did, can't. Did, he, say... did, he, did we say? Did he manage West Ham? He did. Yeah. That is the other one. Yeah, that's right. Well done. Good good one, boys. Um, 
Interesting, if those actually, um, Blackburn, uh, well, he, he's, he's taken over a team in 19th place, which is where West Brom were when he took over. Um, and with Blackburn, he got them up to 15th. Um, with Sunderland, uh, the later job he got, taking over in the same position, he got them up to 17th. So according to this, two two points, uh, sorry, sorry, two position drops each time. Does that mean this year he's going to keep West Brom exactly in 19th place? <laughs> I've got a feeling he might do. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's, to be honest, I, I agree with Peter. I think it's it's more of a challenge, this one. And I think he's uh, I think he's aware that it's probably more of a challenge as well, to be honest. Um, I think he's also been away for like 18 months and the, the game's moved on quite a bit in that time. There's quite a lot, a lot of teams play quite different. You know, not many teams play the sort of way he does. And yeah. I'm not convinced West Brom have the quality of defenders to play the way he does as well, or the striker to nick the goal to make it 1-0, which is what normally happens. So Yeah, yeah. I yeah. thought, I mean, you know, our game against West Brom, I thought they were they were a very, very ordinary team, which made it all the more galling that we couldn't beat them. Um, and I, yeah. I, just, I just think throughout the squad, there isn't, you know, over a 38-game season, there just doesn't look to be enough quality there to keep them up. No. Yeah, going out, get, getting promoted last year, I was unconvinced by them, I have to say. Uh, the same with Fulham to a degree. Uh, paradoxically, I actually did rate Brentford, who I think only had something like two points more than them going into the playoffs. Um, yeah. But anyway, nonetheless, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll leave that there on the West Brom front. front. But yeah, we, we'll have to see how it pans out, of course. We've still got a bit more than half a season left. Um, usually it is about half a season by now, isn't it, in this time of the year? Um one thing for sure, though, with West Brom is no one's ever had as few points as they have at this stage in at Christmas time and survived. Uh, again, you know they've, they've had fewer games to play. To be fair to them, but uh, um, anyway, we move on. A few other bits of, of news um, that have come up this week. Leicester have moved into their new one hundred million pound training complex. Uh, looks quite good from the shots I've seen. Um, they're certainly a club that's very progressive, moving in the right direction, well-organised, well-focused, good project at work. Um, I don't know how it compares with uh, Lansing, whether it's quite as good, I'm not sure. But um, that's one bit of uh, news this week. Um, in another matter, um, Kevin Day's questions. I did email him. He hasn't replied yet. And based on the questions we didn't get to, maybe I'm not that surprised. Uh, <laughs> just, to, just to reiterate what they were. Um, in fact, I'm not sure we've mentioned it on air before. Um, one of our Seagulls Ever London members, Hannah, had said, why does Thornton Heath have such crap pubs? This is more of a personal issue, but he should take issue as a Palace fan. Uh, he didn't get back to me on that one. <laughs> His mum said, um, reground re development, will there be any improvements? At five foot three, I can honestly say my view of last year's game was sadly limited and non-existent if the ball was at the far end. Um, this is obviously... Um, referring to the Arthur Waite stand rather than the main stand, which they are definitely developing. Um, the view is pretty rubbish there, isn't it? The same could be said of other grounds, um, most notably Everton. Uh, Chelsea in the corner at the bottom tier, I can vouch for from personal experience as well. Um, any opinions on the Arthur Waite stand before we move on to the other questions here? Yeah, guys? pretty dreadful. <laughs> it is awful, isn't it? I think by their own admission, they would they would agree, Palace. I do think um, Everton's view is worse, but I think the Palace... So I say I say facilities with, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, kind of like as, as a kind of laughable phrase, but so the facilities aren't exactly uh, are even worse than Everton, I think probably, but the actual view is probably slightly better. I've sat at the back of Ever the Everton stand, where at the lower the bottom half, and it's you literally can barely see anything. Yeah, the letterbox specials. Yeah. <laughs> 
this is not a, this is not a Premier League ground reference, and it, it's probably going to sound like gratuitous name dropping. But the the link is with recent soccer news. I think I think you might have done this in a previous podcast podcast, but I think um, any any football fan should acknowledge uh, Messi's achievements uh, of of breaking the all time record of goals for a single club. And the link with grounds there is that, and this is the name dropping bit. So I have been, I've been fortunate enough to watch a, watch him in a couple of games at the New Camp. Uh, one of which was a game against Copenhagen, I think it was, in the Champions League. And I don't know whether you've ever been to the New Camp, but the uh, the away fans, the, the top tier is about, it looks as if it's about a mile up. Uh, and, and the Copenhagen fans, who were quite numerous actually, uh, which is credit to them, prepared to fly halfway across Europe to watch a game from a mile up. I mean, how they could see what was going on from up there, <laughs> I, I just I just don't know. It was just must have been little matchstick figures wandering around. <laughs> At least they can say they sort of saw Messi, I suppose. Yeah, but no, fantastic achievement. Uh, something like 645 goals, roughly, isn't it? Something like that. Um, surpassing Pele's record with Santos, I think that must be. Um, yeah, he called and broke it, didn't he, this month, which is... A superb achievement and, and one of the all-time greatest players. Debate is, is he the greatest ever? Well, he's certainly one of the greatest. There's no doubt about that. And um, the scoring record is utterly ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, Ronaldo's is pretty amazing as well, is his scoring rate. But I think Messi is more of a complete player for me. Um, La Liga, I think there are weaker teams there because the yeah. top scorers in La Liga each season get a lot more than the top scorers in the Premier, Premier League. So I think there is a... You know, I think probably there's a lot, probably a few players in the Premier League who could go over there and not necessarily match their scoring, but do a lot better than they do currently. Yeah. I don't want to detract in any way from what Messi's achieved, but there obviously are, yeah, quite a, a bigger kind of variation between the top, yeah, two teams and the, the rest. Yeah, you have to have to weigh that in into the account. Yeah. Just just on the other questions, by the way, to Kevin, which I can't believe he didn't want to reply to any of these after the, the heat of the moment when he was on. Um, Pete Richardson, a regular listener. Hi, Pete. Um, he, he'd asked me to ask um, when Palace get relegated this season or next, um, will they ever be promoted again? I can't believe he didn't want to answer this one. <laughs> um, he said, really, it's a question about their over overspending habits um, and that the bubble might be burst. Um, Jack Phillips had said, why does nobody actually want to buy Mr. Tumble despite him crying for a move every summer? <laughs> and um, Alistair Rapley had asked about um, Bob the Cat Bevan, who he had actually, um, we did mention on air anyway, he does know him. Um, and um, he was also asking about Ron Nodes, um, the late Ron Nodes, saying he owned Palace until 98, selling to Mark Goldberg, which ended the club going into administration. They could have been in dire straits as befell the club. What was Kevin's opinion? So we're waiting to hear on that one. And Richard, you yourself have put in a question, haven't you, about um, why does a player of Zaha's ability have so much trouble staying upright? Um, again, no, no answer from, from Kevin on that one. I can't believe I asked that, or, or that he didn't answer it. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Um, yeah. I did stuff, manage to get an admission from him that that's why possibly wasn't that uh, badly injured when he went down <laughs> to the area. Yeah, he did. He did admit to that one. Didn't he admit yeah. it maybe wasn't the worst foul that ever ever existed. Yeah, and um, the other stuff was Andy yourself. You you had a couple of points about the Clough era, hadn't you? And Peter Taylor and the players who've gone on to become the the great players for us, um, Horton Ward and so on. But um, yeah, he hadn't, didn't get back to about those. The other question I threw in to him was: Does Kieran really manscape? Um, I don't know if you guys listen to the Price of Football. We mentioned Wolves having a manscaping partner. And a few podcasts, the price of football included, 
now have manscaping sponsorship. Um, it's, a, it's a manscaping is the company name, I think, for these people. And uh, um, Kieran's continually going on about shaving his particulars and all this sort of stuff. I'm not convinced he's really doing that. Um, I'm not sure I'd want to. You don't have to do it, do you? You just have to say you are. But uh, I was curious to get to the bottom of it, or well, to the front of it, more, to be more precise. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, we, we wait to hear if Kevin will get back to us. We hope we can still go for a beer from it with him anyway. <laughs> Peter, are yeah. you okay there? <laughs> Russ, Russ, I, I might be wrong, but if you're waiting for answers to all of those questions, I really wouldn't hold your breath. I don't think. No, I'm not. Don't, don't worry. Can I'm not. Question. Have we digress from the news section yet, or are we still actually in that? No, we, can, we can carry on with the news section. I was going it's to. It's what we regarding around. news these days. Regarding what? Sorry. It's what we regard as news these days. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Kevin not answering a load of snidey questions. Yeah, that's. Uh, well, there we go. Um, other other news. Um, I don't know. Do you guys ever order the programs to be delivered under the current COVID arrangements? Not currently. I did. I did get the the ones in Project Restart from the end of last season. I got those. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been I've been getting them regularly. I've been ordering them. Um, I don't know if this is to do with London Post or whether it's to do with the Albion or Brighton Post service somewhere. Um, but every single one of the programs um, that are taking place at the weekend for the games at the weekend, I've received on the Monday after the game. Um, with the only exception being, I received on the Friday before kickoff two programs for games on the Monday night <laughs> so the only two times where I didn't leave them that early they've, they've arrived early and they always arrive late I don't know what's going on there but it's bloody irritating I have to say um well the next home game is Arsenal before that we've got West Ham away tomorrow um quick thoughts on that one um how are we going to do here because we've got with a bogey team for them aren't we um irritating that we didn't get the win last season when we were a couple of goals up there Really annoying, in fact. Um, however, we still have the hex over them overall. Are we going to get the three points, guys? Um, I don't know who wants to go first on this one. Looks like it might be a, a Richard, actually. Um, are we going to get the three points? Who knows? Um, it's Christmas, right? So I'm going to say yes, we are. Um, it's I, the I don't drink have, talking. I, well, I don't have any particular basis for saying that, other than, as you just said, our record there is pretty good, and we do have to see seem to have their number somehow, um, at least in recent games. So, mm. yeah. so it's, a, it's a yes from me. What about Andy? Are you feeling confident, Andy? I mean, I've got my West Ham coloured shirt on today, a normal shirt, that is not an actual kit, just to clarify. But I'm, I'm hoping it somehow is, is subliminally going to be a reverse jinx of sorts, I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> but I don't want to wear it on match day just in case. But Andy, do you, what do you think? Mm. So I watched a bit of the game against Chelsea. I thought aerially they were aerial in terms of their aerial threat. There's quite a threat there. Um, Suchek, Suchek seems to crop up with a few goals in his head, and he plays on the right, I think. So he'd be up against Sonny March at the back. Um, Lamptey's not playing, um, so we'll have a bit more height at the back, I think, um, for that. I like the way that David Moyes has got them playing this year. They look like a David Moyes team actually now. You know, they've got some, they have got some skillful players, um, but they, um, you know, they're quite workmanlike and, um, and methodical in what they do. Um, I don't know whether Antonio is going to be playing. If he's playing, I think we're going to lose. If he's not playing, I think we might get a point, but I don't think we get more than a draw. Yeah, I reckon it's going to be something like a two or draw, um, something like that. I've got an outside. Uh, feeling we could get the win, but I, I think I'm going to stick with a tall draw in my predictions. Peter, 
Being a typical football fan, I'm going to turn the whole we have got a record against them against around the other's head in a similar sort of vein to a, being a football fan. I always say we always lose to someone, so we'll probably lose to them again. I'm not going to say we always do well against them, so this time we probably won't. And I actually think that away from home, we've done okay because it's helped, it's evened out um, the kind of the home versus away thing. But actually, for West Ham, it makes no difference because there's never any atmosphere at the Olympic Stadium or anything. The atmosphere is more akin to a home game for the away team because it's so far away from the pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, and the crowd is so quiet anyway. So I don't think there's going to be any evening out with no crowd or anything like that. I actually think that we'll lose 2-0 probably or something Wonderful. like that. You're keeping, keeping the spirits up. I love it. <laughs> I just, um, yeah, I just don't think that they're much... They're a very different team to the one we've played the last couple of years. They, they look a much better team. Yeah, I think they're getting it together, aren't they? You just mm. don't score. And that's... I mean, yeah, they've got some good... I mean, Suchet is looking a really good player. Haller, I mean, he's, he's blown hot and cold or mainly cold, but he scored a cracking overhead, didn't he, a week or two ago. And, I mean, as, as Andy said, there's an aerial threat there um, in general. Antonio, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, they've got decent options from set pieces, which we don't do very well against. Yeah, Ben Rama, my man Ben Rama, of course, as well. well he's um, passing on the bench, doesn't he? But Fornell seems to be starting yeah. to play quite well as well, having, having yeah. had a slow start yeah. last I'd be no, the only thing is they've got options, haven't they, which when it comes to substitutions, you're, is worried. Yeah, well, your other man from um, Hull, What's the guy's name? The forward. Oh, Bowen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's looking good this season. Yeah. He yeah. Looks like yeah. He's finally really performing for them. So yeah, I just think they'll have too much for us, to be honest. So yeah, can I can I just ask a question? And it's more to Pete, really. Pete, if we lose to West Ham and we lose to Arsenal, usually two bankers for us, is that is that your view then that we are pretty much going to weigh down? You know, with the I, mean, I think a lot will depend in January to be honest, whether or not we get the results in it two games. For me everything's decided in January. If we, if we're, if we're, you know, we don't bother going out and spending money. We only bring in Moda and possibly Tao, then you never know. They might be brilliant, but I, I just don't think without a quality striker, all this build-up play needs a, you know, a quality player. I think we have the creativity. We've got players like Lalana. Trossard might improve if we have a more kind of a focal point up front. We need someone bigger, stronger and quicker up front. And yes, it might cost us 20, 25 million and it won't guarantee anything, but we need someone and, Without that, all the nice players wasted in all honesty. I mean, and I do worry also about Potter's tactics at times. I mean, as I said the other day on the pod, I thought he didn't do his subs quickly enough against Sheffield United. He should never have started with Connolly anyway. He was never going to get space to run into behind the back line because that's not the way they play. Have him on the bench in case we go one up and they have to push forward. That's fair enough. But to have him on when they were sitting so deep was pointless and he, he should have been subbed. And things like that are so obvious to me. And I don't understand why Potter doesn't see those. I think I said in the pod the week before she flooded, we just don't play Connolly because it's it's obvious, you know. It's kind of it seemed a pretty clear. I, if you know if Welbeck couldn't start again, you play Malpay, maybe I don't know Jahanbach, or you play some other you know midfielder, Alzate midfield, and play Lalana a bit further forward or something. But it's yeah, it's just a there's frustrating things, and he's his subs are taking longer now as well. Whereas he's more proactive when he joined, he's becoming a bit like Uta now. It's taking longer to get players off, take you know to swap, make changes and. Even if we don't look like we're scoring or we look like we might concede, he doesn't react. I mean, I'm, I think it's, there isn't anything wrong there that a, a quality striker couldn't change. But if we don't, then I, I still think there are better options to play with a squad that we've got than Potter probably is the other. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's coming to a key moment in the season from the, certainly from the, the yeah, the, the echelons of power. But you've got, um, Obviously, Bloom and, and the rest of the board have been will be looking at the situation, and I mean they've got choices to make. They yes, they could sack Potter and 
bring in a new guy and not back him. That's one option. They could sack Potter, bring in a new guy and back him in the transfer window. Um, they could just stick with Potter and back him, or they could stick with Potter and not back him in the transfer window. To be this four different scenarios there. Mm. I don't see either of the ones involving getting rid of Potter coming into the equation, to be honest. I think we're going to stick with him. Um, are we going to back him? And, and does he want backing? Um, he's obviously playing lip service and yeah. saying that we're happy with what yeah. he's got. I'm sure he's not, and I'm sure yeah. the club are not. Um, I think we do look, if we can at all possibly get somebody of decent enough quality that you could call it an improvement on what we've got, I think we go for it. There's talk of Origi, he's one of the players that's been mentioned. Um, I know Dan James has been linked. He's not from Dier or Dyer or something like that, who was like linked in the summer. There's rumors, there's been rumors around of him as well. He's he's a second top scorer in the French league or something. Yeah, is he at Rennes or somewhere, isn't he? Yeah, but he, yeah, that's right. And so if someone like that, then fine. I think we've got to try and back him. I mean, you don't want to go crazy with. Yeah, forty million on a on Joel Linton part two, you know. No, but, no absolutely not. And yeah, I think but we, if you one or two departures as well, I think they'll try and let Bernardo go if they if they can, mm. because he, I mean he doesn't play him, so what's the point of having him? In which case, we might try and get another wing back in, possibly. I suppose. Um, yeah. I think they'll let Proper go because I can't believe that he's not anywhere. He's still injured or ill. I mean, he must be. Mm. He hasn't been injured or ill all season, really, has yeah. he? So, He's just not. And then maybe I wonder if that's because the deal's been agreed, which I think is a really bad decision. I still think we lack. He could have brought something to that Sheffield United game. He's got that quality on the ball, especially when there's some space in front of you, which we haven't got else other players. Only Grosh gets close to that, and he didn't play him either. So yeah, I agree with that. I mean, some somebody with you know composure and experience in midfield, and proper fits that bill if he's fit. Um, we were crying out for in a couple of the recent games, and that's one of them. But I agree with what Andy said earlier. You know, keeping keeping people who have been performing and who are in several cases the subject of transfer speculation, particularly Pesuma, but also Lamptey, uh, White, maybe even Dunk, you know, overhaul, you know, losing key players mid-season is, is a difficult position to come back from. Yeah, and I don't think we want to be doing that at all, will we? Especially no, we don't. I, I think it's really, really important. And, um, you know, that stability is going to be, um, you know, key in getting us getting us up from where we are at the moment. Only in the sense that if if we did get in a striker, for example, um, you'd be looking to probably loan out uh, Connolly to get him some more game game by game experience in another scenario, perhaps something along those lines. But again, that releases some more of the wages uh, potentially that way. Um, Andy, I just wanted just to add about proper and, and gross to some extent. You know, they've also got both got experience of of playing in a in a relegation battle. And I don't think you should underestimate that as the season goes on. Mm. Yeah, agreed. especially given we've got rid of a lot of our experience in that sense, like Duffy, Stevens, Murray, you know, a lot of our experience at Knockout, even, you know, obviously with the first two seasons, you know, we've, we've Ryan, if he's going to allegedly go, it's a, Bruno obviously retired. There's been a lot of players gone the last few years who have yeah. got that experience. Yeah. yeah. Well, if we if we do go for somebody, I mean, if you mentioned the French lad that we've been linked with, Origi, we mentioned, Dan James has been mentioned. He's not an out-and-out striker, but another forward player. Um, aside from those guys that we already have had connection with, who, who else would you fancy? I mean, I, I really like Tony. I think he's come on well. We've apparently been interested in him before. I can't see us getting any chance in hell of getting him in January. Um, he's only been with Brentford for six months, and they tried to get him last year. So they're not, they're, now they've finally got him. They're not going to get rid of him. He scored 16 goals a season already for them, and they're in the, in the playoff positions. Um, so that's not likely to happen now. Um, and Buema, maybe. Uh, and again, with Brentford, probably the same problem. 
Wendia, really good player. Again, a, more of a creative attacking that's the thing we've got the yeah. you know, we've got McAllister who seems to have disappeared yeah. off the radar pretty much and yeah in terms of how now strikers I can't think apart from the ones linked I can't think of any other particularly obvious names that um, would fit the bill aside from Tony who, who I don't think we'll be able to get um difficult isn't it yeah I know I know we were linked with uh Ollie Watkins weren't we I don't think you know that ship sailed clearly um mm. But the more I see him, in fact, the more I see Villa play, I think that was unfortunate that that one got away. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was. I mean, it, it was a lot of money. It was more money than yeah. I think we would have been comfortable paying. Um, ultimately, though, if, if it's a matter of guaranteeing survival, you would, you would you, if you could guarantee it in advance, you would take it, wouldn't you? Because he's he's put Villa in a pretty good position. Um, not the only player, but he's he's been a large part of the reason why they've they've kept themselves far from the Wolf's door. Um but yeah, we're, I mean, we're, obviously the transfer window is another matter. We'll come into talking about that in the coming weeks, of course. It opens beginning of the month. As far as I know, it's a usual window, so I think it's for the whole of Jan. Um, it's coming slightly earlier in the season in terms of numbers of games played. But other than that, it's going to be a fairly ordinary calendar. I don't think it's necessarily going to be an ordinary purchasing schedule because I think teams are going to have to be maybe cagier. Um, I don't know. Um any other thoughts on transfers before we move on to the next subject? I mean, yeah, yeah. The alternative is, I think we've seen discussed elsewhere things like, if you know, you say about keeping one of our best players, well, do, the alternative is, do you cash in on someone like if Liverpool do it, are interested in White, or if something like that, you know, or if or if Real Madrid really are interested in Basuma and they offer fifty million quid, can you would you then then look at it and go, well, we can get twenty million replacement Basuma. Yeah. Maybe they wouldn't be as good. Maybe you know. Maybe we'd get we'd do well out of it, and then spend thirty million on a striker, and you still you're still broken even pretty much. Do you take that gamble on the basis that we need what we you know? In a way, I think we could sacrifice a midfielder, of quite, even of quality of Basuma, to have a striker, a, you know, a, a better quality striker who will put the ball away. Hmm. It's, yeah. it's a gamble. All of this is a gamble, really. But yeah, that's an you know an alternative. Certainly, I wouldn't. I think the one I wouldn't sell is Lamptey because I think when he's on the pitch, he dictates the way we play so much. He's, yeah. he's the one who's such a adds such a threat and and a danger. But you know, Basuma White especially, I'd say, I and mean, he's he's done okay. But I wouldn't say he's anywhere near worth the money that they've talked about in terms of yet. I mean, he might be in the future, but then do you take the with the number of centre halves coming through? Do you take the gamble on you know telling him with a big set on FIFA, say thirty million now, and bringing someone else in? Hmm. Yeah. Um, one of the subjects I was going to mention um, myself is uh, we talked about it briefly, but not in detail. Andy, um, with regard to, well, I can't remember exactly when tier four came in uh, down in Sussex. I think it was just after our last podcast. So I don't think we've mentioned it on air yet, but obviously Sussex has gone into tier four. There's no games now. It's just Liverpool and Everton that can um, host games in the Prem. And there's only 10 clubs across the country as it stands that are allowed to host games under the current conditions. But Andy, you went to that game versus Saints. I mean, you, you said generally atmosphere was a bit, a bit of a mixed bag and so on. In terms of the actual process, um, one thing I didn't ask you about was was that, the, 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 the travel, the arrival, the process you went through. How was that? How did you find it? I mean, obviously it's going to be a bit strange, a bit unusual, but how, quite how strange and unusual was it in the end? Well, it was, you know, well, I suppose the first thing was I went in the car, um, but in that sense, it was really organised. Um, mm. When I arrived right there, I was in a bit of a, a queue um, um, to get in. But 
and they're, they're saying that there was a few more staff than they really needed but they processed you really quickly it was all really orderly it was in Bennett's I was in Bennett's um, farm field uh, that car park I know that the um I don't know whether the bridge park car park was open but if it was that's a nightmare to get out of um and then you basically yeah you just you know as long as you had your mask that you walked to um east stand and they um they, they searched you and temperature and, and you went really and then there was no alcohol on sale but um you could get food really easily because there wasn't anybody hardly anybody there and i had a, a really good seat on the halfway line there were people sitting around me but no one was sitting next to each other mm. most people most people had their masks on all the time you didn't need everyone if you were having a drink or um you're eating but it was all really really quite well controlled in that sense um, and you did get a sense of the crowd in there. You would, I didn't think 2,000 in a, even in a 30,000 seater that you would really get a sense of the crowd there. You do, but there still is a bit of a feeling for me, like a lot of things during, um, during COVID, you know, that we we're kind of, we're sort of playing at it. We're sort of half-hearted. It is happening. You can go to the football, you can watch the game, but it's nothing like, it's just nothing like the real thing. And mm. if we can't get back to, full full uh, you know full crowds or close to that you know in, in the next 12 months then you do worry really I mean it's certainly it's not the same spectacle on the TV either I don't think but what mm. was good about it was it was a good way to watch to see the players so if you watch the details of the game it was interesting how Southampton um, dealt with Lamptey you know they they dedicated their um, Bertram the left back and they had two different um, um, sort of left midfielders who were both quite fast, who were kind of watching him as well. And that kind of nullified his effect. And I think there's a bit more of that going on now, that he's being nullified, although that does often mean that they sacrifice um, one of their forwards to do that. Um, but I think um, for him, I think the problem he's got at the moment is he's clearly got a bit of a hamstring injury, which is often associated with players or, or athletes with speed. And they're having to nurse it, aren't they? So I don't think he's going to be, you know, and I think that might put people off looking at him in January anyway, because, uh, you know, he's, there's no guarantee he's going to get through the season. And why would he go? I mean, he, you know, he came to play football and he's definitely standing head and shoulders above most, above most of our players. Um, I mean, I, I still think that, you know, why I think White will be a really, really good player in the end. And I would want to keep hold of him because I think he'd be worth a lot more money. And this season, Basuma's probably been our most consistent player. So, I mean, it may be that someone has to go out for someone to come in, but my worry would be that we lose somebody like Basuma, who actually is tried and tested and doing well in his position, to bring someone in who's a big risk and doesn't pay off. And then, actually, as a team, we're not as good. We're not as good um, in, in February as, say, we were in, um, in December. Hmm. Uh, Peter? I mean, I, I agree that is a risk. And obviously, Basuma himself shows that. I mean, it took a year and a half to really kind of really kind of show what he could do. My other, my thought, possibly the only way we're really going to get Lamptey to show his best and to be, you know, kind of to maybe not be permanently risking his hamstrings is to find someone somehow on the left who can play the similar role with similar pace, where so whereby you can't then go and um, basically mark, double mark both of them. But obviously that's an extremely difficult, and obviously we're getting by at the moment with Solly, who's had a good season, but he's not got the pace of of Lamptey and the kind of creativity, arguably. Come back on that one, Pete. It is a really tricky one because actually, 
I've been really impressed with March this season and, and game for game, he's been as good as anybody we've got. But you're right that we, it means that we're fast down the right and we're a little bit stunted and slow down the left. Um, and if we could be down fast down both wings, then also I think that it would be harder for them to focus on just playing Lamptey out the game. Um, so it would give them a different kind of um, a different kind of challenge. But um, I don't know. Where do you find someone as I don't know. Lamptey? Lamptey. It's amazing. The Polish guy is who is due to come in next season. Karbovnik or Karbovnik or he's a left winger or left wing back. Sorry, um, he's a left wing back and a central midfielder randomly. He's played both from what I've read. But I don't know how quick he is if he can offer the same quality going forward. I mean, I, young, but then so Lamptey. Well, I think that's the other thing with with Lamptey is that not only is he fast you know, over the ground, but actually he's got quick feet and he can take players on. And, you know, to find someone like that on the... I mean, I'm sure they are out there, but there can't be many of them because he, in that way, I don't see many players in the Premier League that can do no. what Lamptey does. Although, on the other hand, of course, if there is someone like that and they want to get a move, they might look at our system currently and say, well, look, look what it's done to Tarek Lamptey. What can, can it, it can do the same for me, I suppose. And, you know, I can actually play more my natural game if I'm if they're someone who can go forward as well as back. They don't have to defend as much as they would do if they were a left back. And... Yeah. Um, when we, either at the end of the, of the year, the calendar year, or possibly when we celebrate our anniversary, Peter, um, so to speak, uh, it, uh, which is 10th of Jan, around then. We'll probably do um, the quiz questions I half had in mind for today. I think I'll carry forward and we'll do for that one of those episodes as a celebratory thing. Um, I'm formulating an idea for a few more questions along those lines. So I'll leave that to one side and shelve it. But to round off this episode, um, just wanted to ask you all where, where you think the game could be won and lost in uh, tomorrow's game against West Ham. And also, in terms of what is effectively the Boxing Day fixture, even though it's on the 27th, do you guys in normal circumstances normally relish um, and attend the games on Boxing Day when we're playing either home or away? Do you get along to them normally as part of your tradition? Are you one of those people that um, you know really embraces the whole f holiday football period? Because I've Boxing Day games, I've, I've got a mixed bag really in terms of when I've gone to them. Should I go first with that? Yeah, then? go for it, please. Yeah. Um, Boxing day-wise, I tend to go. I missed last year's because I was in Wales for Christmas, but generally I've tended to go. Yeah, I think it's like a really big part of my... Some of my favourite games have been like been on Boxing Day and when at Norwich in, back in the, the um, with Dean years was a um, really good game. And, um, hmm. and then, yeah, other games like sticking in mind, beating Barnet one little away in one of the promotion seasons, which is just down the road for me, which is ideal. Um, and then, yeah, more recently, we've had less Boxing Day games, annoyingly. We, had, we seem to have had less, fewer and fewer, which is quite yeah. annoying. We've had games. Okay. I think the first couple of years, we couldn't play at home on Boxing Day at the Amex. And then there were other issues around games being called off and that sort of thing or moved or like or like the other one. So I think the last one I went to must have been a draw with Arsenal, ironically, at home two yeah. years ago where we drew one all. It was quite a late kickoff. Yeah, I've tended to go to the home games, not often the away games, just because of the transport issues. Yeah, away, not... away ones tend to be quite close. So I've been to quite a few away games over the years because they aren't, you know, they're not like, yeah. they don't tend to go with Carlisle away or whatever. It tends and to your be... family's all based in, in London, yeah, isn't it? Whereas I'm normally yeah. down in Sussex. Yeah, for the... Ironically the... going further away from yeah. the games rather <laughs> yeah. than... Uh, Richard, what um, about you? Do you, do you I, I, I haven't generally. I mean, I, I suppose there's a... A slight irony in the fact that because this is a very unusual Christmas, normally at Christmas Boxing Day we'd be, you know, family would be over and we'd be kind of entertaining people, which would prevent going to football games. 
this year uh, family isn't over, but you can't go to football games. So in, 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 the, in the one year where, you know, the absence of entertaining duties might have allowed it, it can't happen. So um, no, unfortunately not. Um, uh, but I also think that, um, you know, in a way it's testimony to how far the club's come that I think we should legitimately be, be you know, harboring ambitions to beat Arsenal. Um, I think this is a pretty mediocre Arsenal team, to be honest. Um, they are currently two up against Chelsea with half their team missing. All right. Oh, really? All right. Are they really? Okay. Well, looks like we're going to be overtaken. We should have told me that before, before I opened my mouth. <laughs> yeah, okay. Actually, we could still overtake them, couldn't we, if, if, if we beat West Ham and then beat them. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, sorry, go on. Yeah. Um, you know, the question about tomorrow, I did, you know, I think, I think some of the games where we've kind of disappointed in the recent past is... We've started started well, but then seemed to kind of lack the conviction in the second half to, to carry on playing the same way. And the midfield has kind of looked ragged and disjointed. And I think, you know, if we can resolve that or go some way to resolving that tomorrow, then that will increase our chances immeasurably, I think. Mm. Yeah. And Andy, what's your thoughts on tomorrow and traditions with Boxing Day games? Do you go normally? Generally, um, um, I go to the home games. Um, I'm having to juggle sort of family down in down in Brighton and also family up in the northwest around Manchester. So that's a bit of a challenge. Since the kids um, have come along, don't tend to go to the away games. But if I'm being honest, even when I could go away sometimes to the away games on Boxing Day, I tended to get um, actually tempted to go to Kempton and watch the horse racing. I quite um I used to quite enjoy watching that. So um I found myself there a few times. Um tomorrow I still I, I think tomorrow um I think we need to be if we're if we're good at set pieces at both ends of the box, at both ends of the pitch, sorry, and if we um if we can get a few shots in on goal, you know, maybe more more play if he plays, he scores one, maybe Trossard scores one. Um, if we defend well, they don't score. Maybe even someone like Dunk or Webster gets one. But um, I still think in the end, we're probably only going to get a draw. And if I was a West Ham fan, I'd be more confident about beating us in this game tomorrow than I have been in the other times they've played us in the Premiership. Because I think actually they have a genuinely good team. I still think, even with what's going on at Chelsea, that we've got more chance of beating Arsenal at the moment than West Ham. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And I think I think the interesting stat, given what you're saying about set pieces, re- re- reminded me again of, I saw the Chelsea-West Ham game um, the other day, and Chelsea goal from a set piece was West Ham's first conceded one. And it also said that Chelsea, this season, and Chelsea and West Ham, ignoring penalties, I think it said, and Chelsea and West Ham were top of the, of top of the table this year for goals scored from set pieces. So they would regard that as a, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we obviously scored our first on Sunday, so we're not exactly prolific from them. Actually, you said about the, the crowd, so it just reminded me, I watched Football Focus today, Boxing Day Football Focus, and uh, Dion Dublin had a quick um, a quick um, snap at West Ham, which is quite funny, talking about how the lack of crowds would make absolutely no difference at all in their stadium. What we alluded to earlier, yeah, I meant to, meant to reference that. At I, the time. I mean, I, I agree with Andy. I think it's, uh, I think the, the front lot, the front team, so front three are pretty crucial. We need to be able to create and take chances. And, you know, I think the defence is, you know, doing OK at the moment. They're not doing great. We don't keep a lot of clean sheets, but they're doing solid. You know, we could we could do OK with that many goals conceded, especially since the first four games. It's the it's the front three and we need whoever plays in that front three, whoever he selects. 
And I'd imagine Welbeck will be back in probably, who knows, Trossard, Malpe, yeah. Lallana, maybe further forward or maybe put it away. I don't know. But whoever plays needs to take their chances. And that's, I mean, so many games this season we've come away from and discussed that chance we had at 0-0 or that chance we had to get back in it at 1-0 where we've, we should have scored. And that would have made, you know, who knows what the game would have done from there. Instead, we've then gone and conceded a city goal and, and we've built you know, behind the, you know, kind of, behind the curve ever since that and either lost or drawn a game we should win like Palace or whatever and it's if we don't take our I mean in honesty the Avila game we obviously scored really early and the Newcastle game we scored twice really early so those two games we won we've basically got a really early goal because Welbeck was about 10 minutes or something wasn't it and Newcastle we were two up in 10 minutes so there but the two games we won we've basically been one up or two up really early on and so if, if, if history suggests if we get to the 10th minute and we're not winning we probably won't win the game <laughs> yeah. But the games have sometimes opened up, haven't they? This in this fixture, um, so they've, they've been quite open affairs sometimes, and maybe certainly the way we play nowadays, that that has the potential to be beneficial to us. Um, maybe also to West Ham because they're playing a better style of football themselves this season as well. But uh, goals last season in that game, weren't there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The defending was absolutely appalling. <laughs> Although you're, you're, you're speaking of games on um, festive season bank holidays, Russell, I was—I can't remember why, but I was—I I watched back the um, Johan Batch's overhead kick goal against uh, Chelsea, which was on New Year's Day rather than Boxing Day. But uh, you know, I, oh. it, it was staggering to think that that happened in this calendar year because it seems like absolutely yeah. light years ago. Um, but one, you know, the Albion TV show it from about 15 different angles, but on several of them, you just kind of, the crowd reaction is worth watching as well as the goal. Cause it's, you sort of, we've become so accustomed to watching games in, in empty stadiums, which is, you know, is a bit of a dispiriting experience sometimes, but just to see the whole, the euphoria that, that, that was on display there when that goal went in and amazement actually from, from some people at the quality of what they just seen. Um, was you know was great and we kind of forget the thrill that 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 engenders when it happens so yeah let's hope we can get back to something like that at some point in the near future yeah that's a good shout and uh, as we draw to a close on this episode and i can reluctantly get back to copious amounts of red wine all sorts of cheese pies um also leftover turkey and everything else that's uh, the usual trimmings um I think that kind of uh, that leaves us on a cheery note, except for the fact that Andy's got another point. So we're going to go che- to Andy. Yeah. yeah, I've got two cheery points. One, it's Christmas, and Christmas always throws up a bizarre few results. And secondly, we still haven't lost to anybody below eighth in the league. So there Absolutely. you go. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a very good point. We've, draw- we've draw- had a lot of really disappointing draws, but we haven't lost to any of those teams, which... I mean, it might sound like scant uh, consolation, but actually that is an important point, isn't it? We haven't gifted three points to a number of teams that could have by now caught us up as a result. So um, here's to that. <laughs> and um, cheers, everybody. We'll raise a glass. And, um, well, we're coming to the, to the new year period. Let's hope as we turn into the new year, we can have a better year generally, globally speaking, politically, economically. Everything can be a bit better than it has been. Football-wise, definitely. Results-wise, anyway. Um, that's, that's something we're looking forward to as well. Starting with these two games coming up. Um, we'll probably do a, an episode in between the West Ham and Arsenal games. I'm going to try and get um, one of my Arsenal mates or more to come on and get their view on what's happened in the meantime. They'll probably be a bit more 
buoyant after what sounds like today's win uh, to Chelsea. But uh, anyway, in the meantime, um, that's it for this festive episode. So to Andy Bravery, to Richard Holberton, to Peter Marsh, and from me, Russell Guyver, we wish all our listeners a very Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, and we'll be back soon. In the meantime, guys, cheers, and stand or fall. Up the Albion. Well, hey. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.